Today we welcome Maiden Almaty, who is a um, member of parliament in the Belgian uh, parliament and um, also party leader of Grön, uh, which is the um, party, the Green Party of the Flemish part of Belgium. Um, we are very happy to have you here for our divestment podcast. Welcome, Miriam. Thank you. We would like to talk today a little bit about what parliamentarians can actually do about divestment, um, what motions they can pose. Um, as we have talked about more the movement side of divestment um, in the last podcast and also like the general basis of divestment we have already discussed. So today it's a little bit more about um, the practicalities and what politicians can actually do as divestment is really a movement that has both the civil society side and the political side. Um, and today it's about the political side more. Um, Madame, together with her colleagues in the Belgian parliament from Ecolo and Grün, um, posed a motion in March of this year um, about uh, divestment, about uh, divestment from fossil fuels. And we would mainly talk, like to talk about that today a little bit, um, but also, of course, um, about general what's going on in divestment in, in Belgium here. Um, first of all, Maram, I would like um, to um, ask you to give a little overview of the content. Um, yes. The title um, is that uh, you would like to have uh, stress tests um, being uh, done for banks, CO2 stress tests. Um, maybe first of all, you could uh, say a little bit what that means, uh, that term, as we have maybe heard it during the financial crisis already, but not in terms of uh, CO2 emissions. Well, actually, it's it's the same uh, principle. We know that during the financial crisis, because there were a lot of bubbles in the system, once a bubble bursts, that the whole system gets into peril, so it gets into danger. That's what we've seen with all the subprimes uh, in the United States that were repackaged and sold all over the world, and that brought a lot of danger into the, a lot of risks into the system uh, of the of the financial world and the banks. So what we are seeing today is that a lot of banks have assets in um, fossil uh, industries, but we know that these are actually, if we would really want to tackle the climate change, that these are actually in reality stranded assets because we know that the vast majority of all the fossil fuels have to stay in the ground. After the COP21 agreement, even now we have a signed agreement that actually says actually acknowledges that the vast majority of fossil fuels have to stay in the ground in order to keep uh, climate change from getting worse. If we know that, and we know that the uh, in the market, uh, all the, the fuels that are still in the ground or haven't been exploited yet are already valued um, and are valued so that they can give a value to the company, the fossil fuel company within the banks, then we know that there is a very big bubble, uh, and this is the, the, the carbon bubble, um, in the system at the moment. And we have seen how, uh, how our economy suffers when one of those bubbles bursts and how, uh, how, how we are all in grave danger, financial danger, that the financial system uh, may collapse. So in order to prevent this, we are saying, well, after the COP21, it is now very clear that these fossil fuels should stay in the soil, should not uh, be exploited. If we know that, then we should also look at the inconvenient truth that a lot of these assets are now stranded assets, are no longer usable for banks and for the market to um, to uh, to give a 
a larger value as it is at the moment to these fossil fuel companies. So we have to face reality and we have to um, re-evaluate uh, the value of these companies. And in doing so, we should also acknowledge the danger of the financial of this bubble. And so we should have stress tests for our financial institutes to see on how many danger and how many peril they are. How, and how many companies have they already invested? Um, what is uh, the, the influence uh, in the whole of their um, portfolio uh, um, of these banks? Um, what is the proportion of the fossil fuel company uh, in, in, in this portfolio? And how can we reduce this, knowing that they will not be exploited, that this would be a catastrophe for all humanity and for the planet? So. Um, what we are basically saying is as we are doing a risk evaluation with stress tests for financial products that are uh, like the subprimes that are actually bubbles, we should now do it also for fossil fuels, from which we know that the vast majority will no longer be exploited. Mm -hmm. So, and what we have tried to do, maybe on the topic, because that was your first question, our proposal aims uh, on the one hand to provide a better understanding of the financial risks um, resulting from the investment of banks in the fossil fuel industry and on the other hand um, to help these banks to gradually diminish this or divest from this uh, sector so that they can start investing their money in um, uh, renewable energy for instance and so that they become also financially healthier uh, and to diminish their risk is also to, to diminish the risk for the planet but also for you and me for the economy so this is just uh, if you look at the facts this is just the same thing to do we have decided worldwide to sign this treaty in paris and afterwards in new york if we have done this this should be the logical aftermath mm. yeah that sounds very reasonable and um, i think it makes sense that when carrying out those stress tests it's um uh, it's taking care of what the banks actually do themselves, but you also um, were talking about the financial stability as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. It's yes. not only the banks themselves yes. that um, might uh, might carry out losses, but it's also a danger or threat to financial stability in yes. itself as it's, um, it's a carbon bubble. That's very interesting. And um, the second part of, um, of your proposal to the, um, to the parliament, was uh, well, the first one was to, to carry out the stress test to have transparency and the second one was um, I quote uh, we require to gradually withdraw from the carbon sector um, that's uh, very interesting I think because um, um, it's uh, really something that banks should have to do and my question would now be um, how should they be that be carried out would it be um, like in what time frame and how can they um, be forced or would they even be forced to really withdraw from the fossil fuel sector? Well, there are two aspects there that I would really like to stress in, in, in this uh, debate. First of all, we need to do this quickly. If we know that the time span for tackling climate change, that we have already reached the 1%, um, then we know that, and it's now um, uh, get, becoming faster and faster exponentially, 
that we have to tackle this question uh, of climate change very quickly. And the, the good thing is there are a lot of solutions out there. Actually, every answer is out there. We just need to invest in them. So for us, this is uh, an important question for the next decade. For the next 10 to 20 years, we have really have to make this shift. And it's happening right now. Uh, just uh, to give an example, we are talking about the banks uh, uh, of Western Europe and the United States. Um, but, uh, you know, in Dubai already, they are starting to shift towards solar energy. They have the monopoly, you can say, on fossil fuels, and they try to have the monopoly on the, the fuels of the future, which are the renewable ones. Yeah. And they are doing this purely out of economic um, motivation. But if you look at the reality of the, the records of the last half year, worldwide about climate change that are really stunning uh, and not in a positive way, then we know that uh, we have a very strong factor after the banking crisis in derogating that the, the banking sector who we all, with who every citizen has saved, they weren't asked, we just needed to, to save the system. I'm not giving my... Uh, my view uh, or my opinion on the fact that that happened i'm just saying i'm just saying that it happened and because it has happened it has, it has actually given us leverage right now it has given us the right to interfere with what these banks are doing um, and far more than before we should now start uh, wondering um, what they are actually doing to prepare for the future are they uh, going about as they used to and unfortunately, we have a lot of signals saying that the big banks, the system banks, are doing all the things that that were uh, that led us to this crisis. Or should we shift them towards a more sustainable way of banking? I'm not just more sustainable, meaning economically sustainable, ecologically sustainable, and socially sustainable. And why it is when I started in Parliament. Uh, in 2007, I started um, I started studying on the issues of um, of the banks and uh, the the financial institutions in Europe and in our country in, in in Belgium, and I did this because it is my firm belief that the one who holds the money is the one who makes the strongest and the most important decisions, and in our world these are the banks. In our world, these are the central banks. In our world, these are the, the CEOs of those financial institutions together with our finance ministers. So it's really important that they shift their behavior towards a more sustainable, and I mean it in three, four, in these three ways, socially, um, economically, and eco ecological sustainable way, away from the short-term gains. And if you look at the fact that all these fossil fuels are actually short-term gains, then we should look at, okay, what does this mean in the long term? And in the long term, it is very destructive for all of us. So if we want to change that, and if we know that uh, all the technological solutions are already out there, we should now use our power as the people who have saved these banks and these institutions to say no more. Now we should prepare for the future, and the future is already here. Eh? We are already, every one of us, uh, seeing the extreme outcomes of the climate change, uh, living through it, and we are already... Uh, we have seen how much job destruction there was after the banking crisis. So now, and this is the the, the, the best part uh, of this of of the situation. We have now public banks. 
where we had none before. We have public banks because we had to save some banks. They came into public hands. And the question is, what are we doing with them now? And we see that the traditional parties, the centrist parties, uh, uh, unfortunately, together with the social democrats, uh, the Christian democrats and, and the liberals in Belgium have decided to just not bother with anything that these banks are doing while they are actually our banks. We have we have said them they're in our hands. It's 100 percent public owned. So if you have something that is 100 percent in your hands, why not use them as an example on how we could change the total system? And so that is our plea. Uh, we, we are proposing here that those banks who were saved involuntarily by you and me should change their behavior, should change their way of acting, should change the way they spend their money because the way they spend their money is affecting every single one of us. So um, it is my plea that uh, in the whole of Europe, we should start using these involuntary public banks in a, a, a much more voluntary way, looking at all the possibilities they give us, um, for example, to, to get rid of this carbon bubble. That together with diminishing the size of the system banks so that they are no longer system banks. If they want to invest in the carbon bubble, my, my dear friend, go ahead. But it will not bother us if you go bankrupt at the moment that the bubble bursts. Mm. So, and this is what is what is bothering me. We have not diminished the size of these system banks. We are not saying to them, get out of the carbon bubble. So you know that at one moment or another, this will eventually explode in all of our faces and that we will have to have Again, the whole discussion of austerity with everyone uh, who has to save these banks who are actually um, unwilling to change uh, their, to, to, to face reality, actually. And after COP21, this is very much reality. Mm. Yeah, that sounds uh, convincing. I found one other uh, interesting um, argument in your text. Um, well, the climate argument is, of course, one. The carbon bubble and financial stability is the second. Mm -hmm. um, and there was one argument saying um, we also need to divest for geopolitical motives and to fight yeah. terrorism. Yes. Um, I find that's an, an interesting new perspective on divestment. Could you um, elaborate a little bit on well, what you mean by that? It's very easy. If we look at the, the threats and the, the, the geopolitical uh, discussions we have in Europe today, it either involves Russia with Putin, who is a large owner of gas, or Saudi Arabia and the kind of ideology that Saudi Arabia imposes on the rest of the Muslim world, which is very... Um, uh, and I am I'm a Muslim myself, but I find Saudi Arabia the worst example uh, as a regime. It's a dictatorship of one family who imposes on every Muslim in that country an interpretation of Islam, which is for me very, um, uh, how should I put it, um, quite the opposite of what should, what Islam uh, is actually. It's anti-feminine. It, um, it is disrespectful of human rights. It is... Um, It is completely, um, um, how should I say, a, a complete radical but um, outdated interpretation of a religion that is actually harming every Muslim. And they are using, they are using their power as an oil nation to, um, to go and pro propagate this form of Islam, which is their, their only, the, the interpretation of one family, the Saudi family, um, 
all over the world. They are funding the mosques that we don't want to fund because we, we really didn't never come to, came to terms with, uh, with Islam in Europe. So it was good for us that they funded the big mosque here in Brussels. So we shouldn't have to, you know, we don't have to spend money. But if they are funding the mosques in Brussels, they are also funding the imams who are giving their specific interpretation about what Islam is. So they, they are using oil money in uh, in a way to propagate a, a very specific interpretation of Islam, which is for me uh, very radical and and completely the opposite as what I as a Muslim and a humanist believe in. Um, but we have given them this monopoly. We have given them because we need their oil. We accept everything from Saudi Arabia. If you look back at what happened at 9-11, we didn't invade Saudi Arabia where the, the, the terrorists came from. We invaded Iraq instead. Well, why? Because we also wanted the oil from Iraq. And Saddam Hussein wasn't as, as good as an ally as was Saudi Arabia. But if you look at what's going on in Yemen, why aren't we protesting? We are always saying, well, our European values, they are, they are so dear to us. We are not protesting about Saudi Arabia. Uh, bombing innocent people, civilians in Yemen. Why? Because we need their oil. They are our ally. They feed us with something we are addicted about. So if we get energy independent, if we have our own solar renewable energy here, we will no longer need Saudi Arabia and we will become uh, far less hypocrites within uh, our 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 relationships with that country, which is for me just a dictatorship who is misusing a religion in order to do whatever it wants all over the world and in order to sustain a system which is violent against women, which is violent against minorities, which is violent against humans who do not share the, uh, the visions of this Saudi family. Uh, and this is something that is quite incredible in our day of age, saying that we all share the same values as Europeans, but always seem to forget about them when we are negotiating with Saudi Arabia. In Belgium, we have this debate about the arms trades as well. We are exporting a massive amount of arms to Saudi Arabia. We do not know who they are giving it to. We have a very big hunch uh, because they uh, they come up in all kinds of conflicts where there are uh, very religiously uh, extremist motivated groups uh, fighting civilians, killing civilians. But Saudi Arabia just washes its hands and says, well, uh, it wasn't us. So it is really... Uh, it is really unacceptable in the face of reality that we keep on having these good ties with this country. And the only reason is because we need their energy, because we need their oil. And they have a very big asset there, which they are actually blackmailing us with, uh, with that. And we are trying to look away every time. But I'm sorry, not in my name what is happening in Yemen. It's not in my name what is happening in Saudi Arabia. It's not in my name what they are doing uh, to a large group of, uh, of minorities. These are, um, um, these are things that I cannot accept as a human being, as a European, as a Muslim. I cannot accept it, but they have the monopoly. So uh, we have to, our, our leaders uh, make us bear it all. And I, I no longer want that. Um, you already mentioned that the like the main parties, the big parties of Belgium, um, they didn't really uh, care about what happens to mm -hmm. the to the um, to the banks that are now state owned. 
Um, to me, it would be interesting to know how did other players react? Like, how did the parties in the parliament react to your proposal? What yeah. did they say? Did you have allies? Did you have opponents? But maybe also how um, how the ones reacted that you were targeting, like banks, public banks, um, lobbyists, um, the fossil fuel industry itself. Did you get reactions from them and um, how were they? What is the most stunning? First of all, I say we have one public bank, which is now Belfius, which was uh, the Belgian part of ancient Dexia. We have participation still in BNP Paribas, Fortis, uh, which in BNP Paribas, which is now French uh own bank where we have a minority position but just to stay uh just to say that we have now one public bank for us it would be a very useful tool in order to achieve this divestment but they are doing out of themselves already they have changed a bit their policy that they are now investing more in renewable energy than they used to but they are still investing in fossil um, fossil fuel companies so for us this could be even more radical and it should happen and within the other banks as well but the interesting part is that the political parties are much more conservative than actually the market is the market is already seeing the opportunities and shifting while as the traditional political parties and the nationalistic party who is now the biggest one in belgium um, are very much afraid and very conservative in changing the system and tackling this last week George Schilkine, who is also together with me we are the co-authors of this uh, proposal um, defended our proposal in parliament we had no support whatsoever from any other party the socialist party mm. actually was agreed with the liberal party in saying well this is too radical and it goes too fast as if The, the records of the last six months, they haven't seen it. They haven't lived through it. They they are not seeing the facts clearly yet. They are still trying to ignore what is happening and what scale it is happening and at what speed it is happening. So um, the, the, the MR, the, the French-speaking Liberal Party, uh, was actually opposed. They said this will be a loss of jobs in the fossil fuel industry. That's what they said. Uh, the Christian Democrats said it's too radical, too quick, and we are afraid, together with um, the, the, the Socialist Party uh, in the French-speaking part, that, um, well, this will lead to a lot of problems with our uh, energy pact. So, and, and they mean that the shift will be difficult because a few companies will uh, lose and, um, and we do not uh, we cannot see the gains yet where we are saying excuse me but it is very clear who will lose and who will gain so they are very afraid to make this shift they are all saying this will lead to losses in jobs in the fossil fuel industry as if it wouldn't uh, produce create jobs, jobs create new jobs where there are a lot of reports about in the renewable energy uh, industry so they are all staying in the conservative uh, position why is this because the divestment um, uh, movement in belgium isn't as fierce as strong as it is in the netherlands as it is in germany as it is in australia as it is in the uk i have written two opinions about the divestment movement saying this is front page news people all over the world Why aren't we um, addressing this issue in Belgium? The newspapers didn't, weren't even interested. It was really hard to just sell this 
movement and what is going on worldwide uh, in to get it in the news so we are unfortunately in Belgium a complex little country with a very strong nationalistic struggle at the moment and after the attacks of 22 March it was very difficult to bring out and even after the COP21 you know we went there without an agreement a climate agreement we just did it one day before and now it, it, it's clear that there isn't anything in the plan so we are very bad um, students on this topic of climate change um, which is very worrying because we are the capital of Europe and which is also very disappointing because we see that a lot of people are engaged in um, in movements uh, tackling this issue they are going abroad they are going to Germany to the, the the mines, but in their own country, they do not find uh, the appreciation nor the support for what is um, is motivating them to to get out on the streets. We had a very, we had tens of thousands of people around the Paris attacks who marched in our streets, and it was like, oh, they didn't give up even after the attacks. So the the awareness amongst um, the politicians, the political parties, and also the press. Um, is not so very big and that is very unfortunate and we are trying to tackle that but in the end you see the result that when we bring this to parliament everyone is like oh no there you have the radical greens again while it's actually a question about economics you don't even have to be green to see the threat of what is going on so that is really it's really incredible how they stick their heads in the ground every time and time over again and what when it will happen they say how was this possible we never saw it coming so it's history repeating itself and did you um with those forces that do exist from the civil society sector in uh in belgium like there are some ngos that do work on it did you work together with them yeah Yeah. they know about the proposal uh fairfin has also done uh, in the, the central um, station of uh, of Brussels, they have done this uh, flash mob. Uh, they have also uh, wrote a song about uh, about the necessity to divest. They have also written uh, um, carte blanche, uh, uh, an opinion for the newspapers. But also for them, it's very hard. We are working together with them, with NGOs like Elvel Welf, with a lot of them who are working on this issue over the borders and who find it very important. But they also um, are, are very aware that we have a difficult context in which um, issues like this aren't on the forefront of um, of the debate. But what for me is important, don't this is not a negative story. We have put it on the agenda. Everyone has to say what they think about it. And afterwards, we can remind them, excuse me, but the moment when you had to take a stance, when it wasn't as bad as it was uh, as it is right now, or when it wasn't as urgent, when we could tackle it, this is what you said. And we can now go back to the NGOs and tell them what they what the other parties have said in commission so that the NGOs can put them under pressure. We can use the good examples in the banking industry to... to point out to these other parties over and over again so that we will not, um, this is not just a proposal to discuss one time and then let let it be. We have put this proposal on the agenda, on the table, and after uh, the vacation, we are having hearings and we are going to invite people to those hearings who who are 
people working in the banking industry who can explain to them black on white what the real threat is so uh, this inconvenient truth they cannot look away from it every everywhere they look will be there with those facts and at a certain moment they will have to choose what side they will be on and it's very easy if you are in a commission and you can say well it's too radical for us no let's forget about it we will make sure they cannot forget about it and it is very helpful for us to see that this movement in the rest of the world is very strong and we are uh, using those examples also to uh, to strengthen our um, our proposal and saying well it doesn't have to be this but we at least need a real debate about it because we cannot if you want to be a good politician you need to take into hands what is urgent this is urgent point and so uh, next time we go to marrakesh i think it is uh, next year for the cop 22 cop 22 is yes, in november in this we can term. again bring this on the agenda we can again um, uh, point out to them well what will be your position because at a certain moment i know that it will be on the international agenda as well mm -hmm. Thank you very much, um, Madam Amachi. Um, she was here talking with us about the divestment motion in the Belgian Parliament. Uh, she is leader of Grün um, in Belgium and also member of the Belgian Parliament. Let's hope that this is really a start of a discussion in Belgium again um, on this topic. We will, of course, also be active towards COP22 um, doing uh, things about this as this will be um, very decisive in terms of how to implement um, the Paris Agreement. And I think divestment is one of uh, the very important um, things that you can actually do to implement the Paris goals. <laughs> And we won't let go, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being here, madam. And uh, talk to you soon. And for now, um, have a good summer. <laughs> Thanks. I hope it won't rain. But, uh... <laughs>